call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 81 of Call It Friend, or the podcast where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself and DJ Richie and my co-host Danica Tiernan watched everything, everywhere, all at once, which sounds pretty tiring. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call It Friend or Podcast. Drop us a line there with any feedback or recommendations, please. And we're back, live, by we're popular back. demand. Popular demand. Literally no one demanded it of me, but we have been getting a huge number of downloads, so why not? Yeah, I know. Give it a shot. Uh, well, no, some of my f- uh, friends messaged me, um, why aren't you doing your podcast anymore? <laughs> I was like, fuck's sake. Was it too much for you? Were you too busy? Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Well, no, because uh, but a lot of them did listen to the Top Gun episode. I don't think they listened in the thousands, and uh, the, the thousands of people have listened to that. It's literally changing what the world thinks about Top Gun Maverick. It's true. I think the Top Gun episode was great fun, and uh, I've re-listened to a couple. I, re- I re-listened to the uh, Before Trilogy episode as well. The which trilogy? You know what? The Before Trilogy. Before. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I re-listened to that. You know what? I enjoyed it. That's a horribly gauche thing to say. Yeah, man. But I-, I did enjoy listening to us talk, which is, you know... It is what it is. So well, well, let's do it again. We can, but we get to hear it firsthand. Well, I was listening to uh, us talking about uh, the the long goodbye, and uh, mm. yeah, yeah, and because uh, I rewatched it there myself recently, and uh, I kind of got that you know Blues Brothers feeling, you know, of what? What do you mean? I wanted to take a speedball of heroin and die. <laughs> okay, uh, good. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wanted to get the gang back together. All right. Okay. I see what you mean. I thought you oh. meant like you wanted to join some sort of Illinois Nazi. Oh, cult. totally. That too. But I uh, know, you yeah. know, the old gang, me, you, and producer Steve. Yeah. He's quiet. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good producer like that. He is. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to. I was working very hard over the last seven weeks, eight weeks, however long it's been since we last recorded. I watched next to nothing. Oh, no. You probably Again, kept up nothing. with Better Call Saul, did you? I still have four episodes to go, which is, uh, so please do not, I'm not even going to open that up to please don't DM okay. me. <laughs> Too late, I've said it, don't DM me. Has right? the last I've episode got... gone out? Yeah, yeah, it finished yesterday as we're recording. I'm I'm like four or five episodes behind myself, so. Yeah, uh, what about the thing that happened with the guy and the thing? Uh, and the. That uh, was mad. The. Uh, misdirection the episode with the misdirection yeah. i quite yeah, like that, that. Was pretty, that was crazy when that happened with the, that yeah yeah but that's been good but, so but you've been watching next to nothing else next to nothing else i have seen one thing but before that i just i i'll get i do have a quick anecdote or not even an anecdote just just uh, a, a, sh- a short happening that i'd like to recount because i'm in edinburgh again i just arrived in edinburgh a couple of days ago excellent uh, to visit the old the old familia and uh yeah yesterday i went to see some of our mutual friends fringe shows and fringe compilation and stuff like that see some stand-up stand-up comedy you know i love that you know i'm a big fan but uh, I actually, I was introduced to J.D. Shapiro. Do you know who that is? I do not know who J.D. Shapiro is. He's one of the writers of Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. And he also wrote uh, a little film called Battlefield Earth. Ah, uh, I mean, I bet he was taking a check on that one. I've never actually well, seen that. Actually, 
Yeah, actually, apparently on that one, what happened was they completely rewrote his script and threw it all out. But he went to the Razzies and picked up the, he's, he got the, uh, I think like the worst film of the decade or something. Respect. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he made a very funny speech. I watched the video on YouTube. Anyway, I ran into him. He lives in Madrid. He does stand up comedy. So he's gonna he's he's gonna comp me into his show where he tells stories about Hollywood. So I haven't gone yet, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna get him on the podcast. Future guest JD Shapiro. Oh, Look sweet! Are you gonna do that? That'll be great. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll definitely get him. We we can get him. I've uh, got his phone number. Oh, fucking sweet! So something something's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I wh- whatever um, it is. Well, you know that other thing might happen when you get guys' phone numbers. You know that fucking. Uh, well, I go to Madrid all the time. We could, uh, yeah. we, we could all meet there together and uh, hear him regale us with some Hollywood stories. Well, I'm going to go to his friend show where he just he just talks about all that stuff. So I'm looking Sweet. forward to. It. I met him. I said that's exactly up my street. I know I'm sitting here, at a stand up gig with you in the audience. But can I just be frank? What? I want to see Hollywood stuff. What? Uh, whose show was he in the audience of? He was in the Barcelona compilation show. <laughs> Oh, wow. My, he's the mates mighty with fallen. one of the guys who was on it. So his friends of one of his uh, Madrid-based colleagues was uh, was, up, was up there. How, what do you mean, how the mighty have fallen? He's living the dream. What does he do in Madrid? Stand-up comedy. I don't know. He has an office, though, so he's already doing better than me. Oh, he said, oh, in my office. <laughs> yeah, Maybe he like, delivers mail. an office in Madrid. I hope so. <laughs> I'd love it if you went to see him and he was the <laughs> mail guy. He's like, oh, yeah, I get a break in 10 minutes, Andy. Yeah, that's that's yeah. This is a budding uh, bromance because <laughs> we've we've hung out for about two minutes. <laughs> Hell yeah! You have any other yeah. uh, any fringe stories? Any any other fringe uh, No, I haven't done anything. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> barely been on the streets of Edinburgh. It was raining horribly. I'll go and see some. I'll go and see some stuff, and I'll see. I'm, I want to check out well, our favorite Stephen Carlin. Yeah, that'd Scottish be good. Legend. Check him out if he's doing a show. Which he must I put be, my um, my friend. Um, Jerry Sadovitz in touch with you. Ask he said he wanted some <laughs> advice on his act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see about that. You, I did, could, I could help him out. All right, good, good, good. Yeah, he said it wasn't working out for him. Yeah, that makes sense. I have be. I've, I've. Okay, over the last seven weeks, I've watched one thing, and uh, it was just the other day. Was it hardcore pornography? Apart from that, that doesn't count. I watched. Uh, I watched Prey. Oh right, I'm planning on watching that tonight when we're done. You Is should. It good? You should. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's a film by Dan Trachtenberg, who made Ten Cloverfield Lane and did play that playtest episode of Black Mirror, the one with Wyatt Russell, and he made the pilot to the boys. And now he's working on a, a Waterworld series. A Waterworld series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a sequel to the film actually. Dan Trachtenberg. No, I Danny mean, Tracts. He's. You uh, had my curiosity, but skills. now you have my attention. He's yeah, t- he's a very skilled genre guy. He is. I love is. 10 Cloverfield Lane. I've seen that twice. Yeah. I think it's excellent. Yeah. And from the moment I heard about this new Predator film, I was excited. I saw the trailer. I said, finally, they're doing what they should have been doing with Predator for years, which is like, I don't know, because it was flirted at before. I think Robert Rodriguez talked about actually doing a, a Western one, um, but then he wanted to go off planet and something goofy Robert Rodriguez like. But uh, I heard about this. I th- thought that's great. I heard that uh, all the actors were going to spe- be speaking English. I said even better, accurate. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a one mistake. Well, I mean, this it's such a mental thing because the Predator franchise has been run into the ground so badly that this is a streaming only release on Hulu. Yeah, it's mad and it's so uh, iconic. It couldn't as even well. get yeah, it can't even get like a theatrical release because the last film in the Predator series, the 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 Predator, the Shane Black one. 
is hilariously bad. And I love Shane Black. And there are some really funny. There's, I can't even remember what it was. There's like, there's one funny moment which is just insane in that film where it kind of like breaks the fourth wall. It's just mad, but like that was a horrendously bad film. So like, I, you know, I rewatched Predators the other day, the one from 2010, which is quite, which is quite funny. Which has got Walton Goggins shouting, "Die, you space." bad f word that you can't say anymore yeah. so like i, I, I liked it when that's it a film out. that yeah that film's okay but it kind of falls apart it goes off the rails this film prey is just like solid genre stuff i would say it's the second best predator film after uh, the first one i've heard that told yeah where do you sit on predator 2 i like predator 2 i think predator 2 gets uh it gets a pretty uh rough deal most of the time i think people think people are quite harsh about that film i think it's quite good do you know what I think Predator Two does? Because I, I watch I I think I watched uh, the original the John McTiernan film like sometime last year, and I got excited uh, with Disney Plus. I saw Predator Two is there. I put it on, and Pre- Predator Two, like, is just it's just basically a classic sequel, but it does stay not a classic in the sense of it's one of the best sequels. Like, it does what sequels do, but it stays. It's very much in the spirit of the first film. Because, you know, the first film is held in such high esteem, but just step back for a second and realize it's utterly goofy nonsense. It is, but I mean, that I think the first film works so well because it starts off as like a war film. Mm. Or it starts off as like a men on a mission film, and then it just like takes this crazy right turn and you're into this like kind of monster movie. Yeah, but it never... It never depletes like it never depletes a drop of testosterone it's just the most testosterone fueled movie ever have you ever there's a there's a funny anecdote from it um what are the three big boys well arnold schwarzenegger uh carl weathers and the one other muscular fella the uh jesse jesse ventura Ventura. yeah 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 that's right um apparently apparently what they used to do was they would get up to like work out and water you know, you know what guys who were ripped like that do? They like um, t- t- make an effort not to drink water, uh, like in like the hours after they work out. So they would like sneak out and work the shit out of it, so they'd each look more muscular the next day when they had a shirtless scene or something like that. You son of a bitch! But this film's not really like that because they're all uh, Native American actors. They're all mm. quite lithe. They're all they're again. It's, it's gone back to this concept of you know the predators are taking on warriors. Mm. But it's uh, it's a very low tech predator, so it doesn't have the same set of uh, tools. I, I don't know if that's like a choice that's supposed to be that it's. I mean, because they're still capable of like interstellar travel or whatever, intergalactic travel. Um, but they, yeah, it's kind of this low tech predator fighting against these Comanche warriors. But I would say the only the only real negative about the film is some of the CGI is a bit dodgy, which I think is just budgetary. You know, this is yeah, yeah, yeah. The, they couldn't get the budget that they wanted. Do you think You've the predators these... are just like uh, people like you know Joe Rogan's from other planet get their downtime hunting? Basically, I don't want to go into too much <laughs> detail about this, but yeah, it's it's nicely shot. The action is extremely coherent. It's brutal. It's really there's nice. people getting sliced, sliced up and dying, all kinds of stuff. I'm it's looking forward to this. Story. No, it's brutal. The score and the filming locations are really beautiful. It's easy to check out. It's on Hulu and Disney Plus. Yeah, no, I I got Disney Plus here. Uh, no, I've been and I've been meaning to get around to it. Uh, I just have not. But yes, looking forward to it. It's, just a, it's a nice, tight, ninety minute. It's a 90 film. minute. Oh, lads. Yeah. Five stars. It's exactly. It's exactly what it should be. It's exactly what you want. It's just 
solid genre make that filmmaking. Sweet from old Danny tracks. I I got I got three ones for you. So do you want to hear good or bad of the three? Uh, let's start with the bad. Okay, so uh, I wasn't a big fan of Thor: Love and Thunder at all. Mm. Um, and it was in a strange way because it might be partially my fault because in the couple of days, be- no, it's not my fault, but I teed up wrong to it. In the couple of days beforehand, I watched um, Infinity War and Endgame, which are, I mean, they get better and better. They're so good, like really, and particularly in comparison with more recent Marvel films. But it's just how good they were to bring so much story together and make it work is crazy. Because it re- like it recently as well, I watched the original Star Wars trilogy, and that pulls off that trick magnificently as well. But there's so much more going into Infinity War and Endgame than even the Star Wars movies. It's crazy that it worked as well as it did, you know? So, and like, to do that, I mean, even though those are funny in parts, you've got to have respect for the material. And I suppose that's where I hit a real hitch with Thor Love and Thunder, is that... Taika Waititi, who I'm kind of reaching the end of the everything he does is fucking gold <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of ghost train, but he kind of he almost seems to have disdain for the material. Quite frankly, it was almost it's almost like a parody of a superhero film. So it's tall. It's very typically told in his way. With he's telling Thor's uh, post Endgame story like it's a fairy tale. He's off with the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's all piss takey but even more piss-takey than Guardians of the Galaxy. It literally has a kind of a Mel Brooks tone to it almost. Mm. He goes back to Earth. Jane Foster uh, is Thor for the for a weird reason now that comes to it, um, which I'll spoil a little of. Do you mind if I spoil a little of? Uh, go. I, I so don't care, but I, I know I have to watch this film, obviously, because yeah. we've got the obligation to watch every Marvel film, but yeah. Exactly. So she has cancer, and being Thor is making her. I think not, I knew that. Is making for some reason that's making her not have cancer. And then, in, in the mix of all, in the mic, in the middle of all of this, is actually what a lot of people said was the part of the film they weren't interested in. Christian Bale's The God Butcher is like something out of a horror movie. Really enjoyed him. Super intense and crazy, but very heightened. One thing I will say, but anyway, like I said, it just keeps coming back to the fact that it's almost taking the pace of the franchise rather than engaging in it. Even Ragnarok didn't kind of do this. Ragnarok had a sort of a weird Flash Gordon energy about it. Like, it knew it was funny, but it was had a real love for what was going on. And I suppose, yeah, that's kind of where I sort of fell down on it, and it bummed me out a little bit because I I like the Marvel movies. I do, and I was like, is this is this where we're ending up with them now? Just this kind of faff? Because, okay, I was much more hot on Multiverse of Madness than you. I still wasn't yeah, I, mad about it. Um, but this really kind of bummed me out. And then the, I don't know what the H, the post-credit thing was. I didn't care, but you mm. couldn't care, have cared less about it. Wait, can, can, can I ask you one spoil, big spoilery question? Please. Does anyone die? Yes. Thor? No. The lady? Yes. Good. It could have stakes, but they they just take it so not seriously that it doesn't. And then there's some kind of setup of a cool theme by Chris Pratt at the start, talking about like lost love, but literally just the relentlessness of the gags and them being of a certain tone. What's the name of the really annoying dude from Flight of the Concords who made his own show afterwards? He's uh, Jermaine. Cl- oh, you mean Reese Starby? Uh, is he the manager of them? Yeah, yeah, is yeah, that yeah, you're yeah. Talking about? yeah. It's yeah, yeah. it's that kind of annoying shit. <laughs> it's just 
That's just called being from New Zealand. Oh, well, I have enough of fucking Kiwis then. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like, what can I say? It, it sort of bummed me out. Um, and uh, I don't like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's that's uh, what I have from Thor Love and Thunder. There was one more point I was trying to make about it, but it seems to have escaped me till I think about it. Fair play. We're still, we're still rusty. I, I I will eventually, as I say, I'll get around to watching it. But would you say I don't need to go to the cinema? Oh, certainly not, no. Oh, okay, no, okay. wait. That was one thing I wanted to say about it. In an odd way, despite all the ways it lets you down, it is shot really, really beautifully. Mm-hmm. He, they did a great job with the look of the film. Um, I would go, it's, and actually, to be fair, Ragnarok looked amazing as well. So credit to Waititi on, on that shit. But yeah, a lot of it sort of, and I'm just sick of that stone fucker that Taika would TD voices as Korg. well. Yeah. Cause it, I'm not surprised that they tried to, they, has he got like a larger role this time? Much larger, yeah. Yeah, that's bad news when yeah. that happens. Exactly. He's Jar Jar. He's yeah. Jar Jar. Like people would love Jar Jar these days because the world has gotten so like, you know, safe and stuff like that. People go, oh, he's a hoot, that Jar Jar character. That's what they mm. would say now. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, give me a funny character with a bit of edge. You know, who's funny in the original Star Wars actually? Probably no one. Is there any funny character? No, it's not. It's oh, not funny. C three PO, I suppose, is I suppose is I guess. aimed for a bit gay in English. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, well, I mean, it just showed great hope for it. Just good because that said a long, long time ago, and there were gay robots then. Why can't there be gay robots now? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. What if, what happened to the world? It took us such a bad place. I, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it, it, that was in a galaxy far, far away. I hope there. that's what Elon Musk's next next project is. Yeah. It'd be much easier to make gay robots than straight lady robots. That's what I think, you know? <laughs> There's no evidence for that, but it's scientific Well, fact. straight ladies are very complicated as far as I can see. Right. But it, okay. it, this, is, <laughs> <laughs> this is controversial. I don't anyway, know if you can anyway. say this about gay robots. Uh, I've got, um, I got two more that are massive high recommendations. I enjoyed them so much that just seek them out and watch them. Uh, one, you've, you've probably heard of both of them. So I'll one at a time. They're both Apple TV Plus shows. They are the yes. best streaming uh, service at this point. It's ju- and they've been going for this from the start. Just even their failures are interesting. Just charismatic original material, and these two are just wow, right out of the park. So first of all, I'll talk about Slow Horses. Do you know anything about Slow Horses? No. Okay. Wait, maybe no. So Gary Oldman plays a kind of a a spy master called uh, Jackson Lamb, sort of like if, uh, what's it, George Smith? Oh, is, is it like a Tinker Tailor Soldier spy? Ish. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like if George, George, George Smiley, if George yeah. Smiley had very poor personal hygiene, like there's loads of farting and stuff oh, in it. Oh, yeah. I have, I've seen a trailer for this. That's why. Yeah, yeah. I've seen like yeah, yeah. Oldman looking smelly. Yeah, he do, looks very smelly. So the slow horses are like basically former headlining MI5 agents, for want of a better word, who fucked up in some way, <laughs> and they got relegated to the shitty place, um, which is known as Slow House, and the, the, the code name for the spies are Slow Horses. Anyway, they get caught up in a bit of espionage. Now, in one way, this arrived right at the right time for me, because I, I had recently read a book about spies, and it's just very funny that, like, particularly, like, particularly, like, um, you know, old school spying, like, you know, the Cold War and stuff like that. An awful lot more of it is digital surveillance these days. But that kind of stuff, 90% of it did nothing. It was just people trying mad shit and trying to get some intelligence or trying to make the other side look bad. Like, Soviet agents would try and 
sabotage electricity so that, uh, you know, it, like the MI5 headquarters would have to call in repairmen. Literally things like this went on. Um, and what's funny about this is even though there is stakes enough in that this um, young Pakistani dude, he's a stand-up comedian actually, uh, gets kidnapped by these like um, white, white supremacists, it like keeps sort of transpiring that maybe it might just be some fucking odd espionage shit that people will try to cover up. Um, and the thing about the humor in it is it's not jokes. It's just funny. You know what I mean? The characters are so yeah, well yeah, realized yeah. that, and you know each of them kind of so well. The only person who swings a little bit in the uh, kind of just a directly comedic character would be... Um, What's his face? Uh, uh, Paul Higgins uh, from In the Loop. That fella. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Legend. Who plays this fella called Struan? Who's just like, just very annoying, and no one wants to hang out with him. And um, but everybody else is just very straight characters, but just I don't know, very funny. I mean, fair enough. Gary Oldman is farting and all sorts, but he's clearly very smart, and it's just great. It's only six episodes long. I watched it in two nights, five episodes in one night, and it was just too late. I had to go to bed. I watched the next the next <laughs> night. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Mick Jagger wrote the intro song. That's the kind of money Apple are slinging. Um, And yeah, and then in the last, in the credits of the last episode, they showed a trailer for season two, which I respect. Very back to the future, don't you think? Yeah. Well, they've already shot two seasons together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they have at least four that are going to go into production. So awesome. Couldn't recommend that highly enough. Uh, Such fun. And the next one, I'm pretty sure it's just going to sweep the boards and win everything this year, uh, TV-wise. It's um, Severance. You've probably heard of Severance, have you? It's just the one with Adam Scott. Adam Scott, Patricia Arquette, John Turturro. It's, it's like a Ben Stiller thing or something. He directed uh, half the episodes. He was yeah. developing it for a long time with this fellow called Dan Erickson, who wrote another thing. I can't remember what. Oh, no, I made that up. <laughs> this is the first thing he's written. <laughs> anyway. He used to, he, he, he made phones, is that right? That's right, he did. He was, uh, him and uh, a fella called um, Seaman made phones right. together. Um, that was the Ericsson one. Ah, who cares? Sony, no, Sony Ericsson, those were the boys. Anyway, so the deal of it is, sometime in the future, there's this system of working that's set up whereby you arrive at the door, you get a memory wipe, and then your work self just exists, right? Inside work. Uh, so you go there in the morning, and then the next thing you know, you're leaving in the evening, right? <laughs> Sounds a little a bit like real life to me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's much cooler than one of those shitty metaphor shows. It's like, I remember when... Good. I remember when The Handmaid's Tale was coming out and everybody was going, because that's, that's, just like, yeah. that's what it's actually like. I was like, yeah, that's what it's like in Iran, uh, actually. it's Yeah, it's not like that, actually. But anyway... That's actually what it's like. That was the the review of The Handmaid's Tale from everyone. It was fucking so annoying. Anyway, but this, no, this is going for a way cooler sci-fi angle. Because the thing is, the people who are in work, the versions of them, they never leave. They're just perpetually there, awake. And sometimes they can feel hangovers and the effects of sleep or whatever. There's another fellow, he's a comedian in it, who's excellent. I'm sure he got nominated, uh, Zach Cherry, the kind of tubby fella. Anyway... You would not guess what the directions this goes. It's amazing. Designed fantastically. Music. It's sinister. It's scary. It's genuinely scary in parts. Christopher mm. Walken is in it. John Turturro. Uh, wow. I mean, I just think this is going to sweep the board at everything. Um, yeah. Is it more of a drama than anything else? Yeah. 
Yeah, it is because it's very like human. You feel really bad for like, for example, Adam Scott's character is in it, and this isn't a spoiler to say. Adam Scott's character is has opted for this type of work because he lost his wife and he just wants to check out for eight hours a day and not remember anything. And then he just gets out and he drinks and he's in his house alone. Um, Respect. Yeah, yeah. It's like, honestly, watch this as soon as you can. You'll love it. I know you will love it. Yeah. Uh, it's just too many things. Yes, too many things. But yet I watched uh, the Russo's new movie, The Grey Man, with uh, <laughs> Ryan Gosling and... Uh, <laughs> Chris Evans, and it's great. <laughs> I would, wow. I would like to talk about that. Is that actually decent? Well, okay, but uh, but you, you also watched something produced by the Russo brothers. Which one? I've been watching it's a little film called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. And I watched it twice because we were supposed to do this weeks ago, but then you were super busy, so I said, "Feck it." Yeah. Um, I watched it about four hours ago. All right. How fucking good is this movie? I would, so I started watching this about two weeks ago, maybe, and made it through the first thirty minutes, and then fell asleep. Okay, had some other stuff going on as well, but like uh, I couldn't just yeah, I couldn't watch it. And uh, I think in retrospect, I think that's just because the first thirty minutes are quite set up and they're wacky. Yeah, very much. But then once you get through that, it is. I need to see it again. Definitely, I don't want oh, to see do. it's one of. I don't want to say it's one of my favorite, favorite things ever, but it is, um, it is I mean, the attention to detail, the, the amount of work that's gone into this just the makes script. other stuff, it just makes other stuff mm. look like pathetic, like, oh, those people weren't even trying. On every level, like visually, yeah. there's a, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the, the hot dog fingers, anybody who's seen the yeah, film will yeah, know yeah, what I'm yeah. with. The hot dog fingers 2001 the mustard scene. and the, the, the must. Oh, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, that's great. And the that's, mustard in the mouth, and it's just... Yeah. And then her in this odd <laughs> lesbian relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. spelling out so empathy. Good. It's yeah. And then the final section of it, all at once, which is like, Jesus, did any of this even happen, or did they just explain... Like, I just... Yeah, visual and how they shot it and everything, but just to think about how did they write this script? What about what about the balls of just had that first rock scene with the two rocks interacting? Oh my god, it come, I cried it comes watching that. Yeah, I, I know it comes at a point, and you're like, it's literally just two rocks on screen on the top of a like a sort of ridge, mountain ridge type mm. thing, and then just text over the top. I cried like three times when I watched it again last night. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I I mean, I was was tearing up at the end for various parts, but yeah, I think I... I bet I can predict a... a, 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 Did you cry when, um, did you cry when Short Round goes um, (laughs) in another another life? I would have been happy doing taxes and laundry with you. Oh, God damn it. that's what you're doing. And you're doing taxes. But, yeah. How much laundry are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing most of the laundry. Brian uh, laundry. <laughs> nice, good. Yeah, you really got me there. <laughs> but uh, I like. I just love the fact that I don't know the heroics of it are sort of ordinary people and like living an ordinary life and the kind of magic that that can have even through the monotony and how. Ah, I just thought it was just absolutely amazing. Um, and I, even though the characters were Asian, you still connected with them, right? <laughs> I did connect with them, I <laughs> so did. Well done, you. Well done. You overcame that that massive hurdle for you. I did, yeah. Yeah, it was t- It was tough one now. It's um, very brave. I thought I thought I was being brave too, yes. Um, yeah, th- so, well, that that opening that you were talking about, like, when yeah. I, like, I f- saw that first... You did get the feeling you were in for something special, and I knew it was all multiversey or whatever. Yeah. Um. But it did like so at the start. It starts kind of like 
I thought with a sort of a punch drunk love sort of tone, just wandering around and there's this chaos. Yeah, it's a bit wacky. It's a bit wacky. Uh, hey, you loved Punch Drunk Love when you watched it last. I know, I know, I know, I know. I did, uh, and I thought that was great. But like f- at the start of this film, I was just a bit like, all right. I'm like, all right, I don't know. I don't know about it. I don't know about it. But when I think once they sort of set, it's, it's like all these films that anything that's mad, like a multiverse type thing is once they set the rules of the world and you're placed within it and you get a sense of what's going on, it's, it's okay. You feel grounded and you're, you can, you can follow the film quite easily. But at the start, I was just a bit like, "Ah, I don't know. What an, what an insanely hilarious device that also also makes sense. The fact that you have to do mad shit to catapult (laughs) yourself. Yeah, that's okay. So there's one scene in this film where two guys have got dildos up their arses. No, they're butt plugs. That's one. Yeah, of the, hey, sorry. Apologies for not knowing the correct terminology. Well, there you, I didn't mean any of that. There is to a you. floppy dildo fight later in the film. That's true. Yeah, that or no, true. that's previous in the film, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what that about that? that fight is. scene. Because the thing is, they're doing that typical fight scene where, you know, in a normal run of things, it'd be like a gun two people are fighting over. Or like Jackie Chan made light of it with like, you know, someone looking for like a ketchup bottle or a magazine or something like that. But these guys are scrambling all over one another to stick a trophy up their ass because it's a mad thing to do so that they can... But then that one guy comes flying in. That's an incredible shot. (laughs) It's an incredible shot. <laughs> I, can, I I I mean so just to to give some background on yeah, the guys who yeah. made this they're called the Daniels Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Mm. Daniel Scheinert he was the guy who was getting spanked in the film. Oh yeah? Yeah, he's so yeah, he was oh, okay. the, the the IRS manager who was into S&M. Yeah. But so they're they're kind of, they were uh music video directors and then they made uh Swiss Army Man. Have you seen Swiss Army Man? Yes, I have it's, it's I have seen it. It's really good. I recommend checking it out. Yeah, on the strength of this, I would definitely uh think about checking it out. We'll see there's so many things to watch, but like just hearing the premise for that film really put me off. It's like Daniel Radcliffe is me a too. corpse, right? Uh, yeah, he, I uh, he, heard of he it and I read all the and, the, turned, he gets turned into a speedboat. Yeah, with his boner. I don't know about that. Well, now if I now because I've seen these guys tone, I can I can. Yeah, but it's, just hearing it, the premise, like, I'm like, oh god. I suppose when I when I heard of that and I read all the five star reviews that it got, also I was thinking, yeah, but still no. I was just thinking. I suppose I was thinking of a mid two thousands independent movie or something yeah. like that, and I was like, I'm past it. But it's like, no, they're more on top of it than that. And that good. that even that film has something of that world in it, but no. And it earns the wackiness. The wackiness works, right. like, in it. Okay. Um, but again, it's not It's not on the level of this film. This is just, like, this is just incredible. I'd, I haven't watched any of their music videos. I'd imagine they're somewhere as inventive. Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, this film reminded me of, like, Rick and Morty mm, meets yeah. The Matrix meets Mr. Nobody meets Scott Pilgrim. Kind of like a mash of things that I like, and uh, yeah, it just successfully. I it just it everything lands, what's, which is what's Mister Nobody. Mister Nobody's the one with Jared Leto. It's uh, I don't know this one. It's like a branching life path film. Okay, is, is yeah, it I, good? I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I I like it. I don't know if it might come across as a bit too wanky, and it could be one that if I revisit now, I might not like it as much. It's by a Dutch filmmaker. I can't remember his name. Jocko van der Herdeberg. Something like that. 
And yeah, it stars Jared Leto, hmm. which is already, you're like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, sure yeah. But, but, <laughs> and it's not the ringing endorsement that you're, you're like, hey, it's got, Yeah, he just seems like, Morbius, s- s- like such a shitbag. I'm just- <laughs> he will put me I know, but distance. you need to separate. I mean, th- remember him from Fight Club, Requiem for a Dream. I mean, this was like two thousand and nine. You, you're something. speaking to uh, you're speaking to a number one enemy of the film Requiem for a Dream. Ah, oh, sorry. I put that on in in the bag with like uh, Snowtown as something I will never watch again. Okay, it's just still anyway. Jared Leto is in it, and he's fine. He's not being a knob. Right. Okay. So yeah, so that, and I mean, the reason that that reminds me of this is because it's similarly sort of branching pathways, making different choices, going back in time type thing. Yeah. Like, almost like Chris Nolan in his worlds with rules, but like not taking yourself so fucking seriously. It gets, well, one, one of the lines, one on. of the characters, yeah, one of the characters says like, when they're saying the rules, he's like, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> or like, he says something like, yeah, I know it's stupid, but this is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is clearly like for the audience to be like, all right. Yeah. Because like, the thing is, you know, as, as I'm like, any for anybody who is listening to this who hasn't seen it, uh, I don't think it would be possible to really spoil this movie, quite frankly. Yeah, I was I was thinking the exact same thing. You can't, it's so visual, it's so like audiovisual. There's not really any way to, like, you can't spoil the film because not that not that much happens, bizarrely. Yeah. But on, the, a, on a plot sense. But then at the centre of it, like, the, at the centre of it, there's just these heartbreaking themes of just like like ordinary life yeah. being lived. Um, and time passing and like, you know. Yeah, the choices that you make. Yeah, and, and stop and smell the roses. Like, um, and it's, yeah, it, it just uh, really uh, spoke to me. As you know, I'm one quarter Chinese. Um, That's right. But uh, yeah, and just, I <laughs> maybe one joke over the line, but then I heard in an interview that it's actually a New York thing, so maybe other people wouldn't get it, is the bagel. Apparently, an everything bagel is uh, like yeah a New York shorthand for something shit. Mm, okay, I've definitely heard of that bagel thing before. Yeah, I couldn't have said where. The, like it's it's topped with liter- literally everything, and then you yeah. can't you can't taste anything, so it right. kind of sucks. And yeah, you just don't get any of the marrow from the bones of life, as uh, Robin Williams said in uh, uh, Bicentennial Man. As <laughs> you said in <laughs> Jumanji, Jumanji Flubber, I believe he said it in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, this is uh this on. is the most successful A twenty four film of all time. It's grossed a uh, hundred million dollars. Oh, really? It beat Hereditary. Yeah, fair play to them. Mm-hmm. And it's still going. It's you can still see this in the cinema here. Yeah, and and here as well in uh, Edinburgh. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I, I keep. There's. I'm missing opportunities to go. No, like not even tonight. I got. Laundry to do, <laughs> to be honest, and tomorrow I got a look. And taxes. Tomorrow I got a look after a mutual friend, enemy of the show, uh, Cora Benzi's stupid tomatoes. But Heat is playing in Phenomena, and I might go to that afterwards. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to see this in the cinema. I'd love to see it. And actually, do you know what? I'll sound like one of those goofy filmmakers that were, you know, pushing back for the resurgence of cinema. I would love to see this with an audience because I'd say it's a fucking yeah, hoot. I think it'd be it'd be laughter and tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say it would be an absolute hoot. And like the thing is, is once the multiverse stuff starts popping, I mean, like it really does pops and the cinematography is amazing. The fight choreography is amazing. Um, but then once um, Jobu Tubaki, the, who's actually the daughter, arrives on the scene, like the 
the design of her character and the costumes yeah, she ends up wearing really cool. and stuff. It's it's incredible. It's incredible how uh, well they make it work and how kind of like she is a sinister presence. She's scary, like on one or two occasions. Mm-hmm. Like her first appearance when she's just murderizing everybody. Apparently, this had to. It was made by a really small VFX team that are all self-taught. They learned from like YouTube. Fair These play. Are not people that were schooled in in VFX. I mean, there's an awful lot of this that's practical as well. Yeah, I would say I, I couldn't possibly. Yeah, I be think sure. they. I think they made that bagel and put <laughs> everything on it. And put everything on it, indeed. Yeah. Uh, you they get, actually made different. They've they traveled in between different universes. That would just to research. Wow. Yeah. I heard they also watched Spider Man into the Spider Verse. That was a big thing that they were talking about the Daniels that they were worried when they saw that film and they saw uh, Rick and Morty season two because they've been working on it since from like 2010. Mm. They they started the screenplay in 2016, but they've been working on it for years and years and years. And they saw all this other multiverse stuff come out and were like, oh no. And then Multiverse of Madness, I think they were like, ah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Don't worry about that one. That's funny. That reminds me of, did you ever hear this, the, the story of um, your man Hodorowsky who wanted to make Dune? And then when, like his, he never got his money because it's better that that film remains unmade because the story of it is way better than it would have been. I've mm-hmm, seen one of his yeah. other movies. It would have been weird as shit. But uh, then... He's he tells this story in the documentary Hodorowsky's Dune. He's like he saw David Lynch was making him, and he was like, "Oh no, David Lynch! He's a filmmaker of real integrity and you know spirituality. He can make this amazing." And then I went to see it, and it was awful. I thought this is fantastic, <laughs> brilliant. And yeah, the boys must have because the thing is, is like clearly they were conceiving multiverses on an altogether different level to these boyos to uh, yeah. Sam Raimi and Co. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, like, I mean, and Spider-Verse, like, I mean, Spider-Verse is a great film. I really enjoy yeah, Spider-Verse. I, um, but, uh, oh, it's nothing on this on this level. There's that one scene in this where they flick between, like, just images of her and, de- like, a, you know, the sort of multiverse oh, yeah. flipbook type thing. The, you, you'd, you'd have to pause and go through frame by frame, but it's insane just, like, the variety of different things, and you catch so many little glimpses of things. I've got, like, I just started writing down moments. Like, uh, you are getting fat. That was pretty heartbreaking. Paper cuts. You remember he has to give himself paper oh, God, cuts? That's horrible. And I then he's struggling he, to watch that. And then he, he says, you can't give your paper, yourself paper cuts on purpose. <laughs> Which is funny, actually. I thought one of the, like, a, a throwaway line that you didn't think you'd see again, uh, Rakakuni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that whole that whole bit of uh, of, of actually filming that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And having that as a as a whole thing is madness. Uh, yeah, and then quality the parody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've written down flying dog. Was there a flying dog? Oh yeah. When um. This, oh yeah, yeah. She's um, with her pinky. She sends the lady's dog flying. Jenny Slate is a, is the the actress. is that Jenny she's, Slate? Yeah, yeah. F- swinging her yeah. dog around. Do you know what uh, she's most it's, famous it's from? Fun. For me, uh, I don't know what. This is a big recommend. Try put it in the show notes. She hosted uh, some YouTube gala. They had her and some uh, Arab fella called Caspian and Norm MacDonald uh, hosting it. And Norm MacDonald is like, it's one of the funniest things I've seen him do because he's just an incredible troll on it. He shows up in like a, a hoodie and a cap and just takes the piss out of the whole thing because it's, it's a big YouTube production. The biggest show, right. he's like, all the stars are here. And then he'll just name out a few people that nobody recognizes their names. All the stars are here. And then just, the thing is, when super famous people come along, they just, 
you know, like Norm immediately ignores the teleprompter and just connects with them because he's a living legend and they just ignore the other two. It's very funny. Uh, I would recommend checking it out. <laughs> Poor old Jenny Slate. Yeah, didn't she get kicked off SNL for saying fuck? Maybe. She also, I think she got fired from Big Mouth for not being the right race for her character. Really? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was Jenny Slate. Not a bad looking lady. Yeah. Shall we talk a little about the cast? Uh, yeah, let's talk about the cast. There's not really much. It's not like we're not going through any trivia or anything, but was there anyone who stood out to you? I mean, you've got Michelle Yeoh. That was, it was originally written for Jackie Chan. That's right. I think that was a good decision to change that over. Um, I don't mm. think I think Jeff, Jack, I don't think Jackie Chan could have carried this, quite frankly, and I'm a Jackie Chan fan. Short round I think, was I think perfect he could have played, yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like yeah, playing Waymond, Waymond Wong. I don't think he could have pulled it off as well as that guy did. I really th- think that that guy brings the same sort of exuberance and fun to yeah. the role as as uh, he brought to everything he was in as a kid. I know some data. people... Yeah, data from the Goonies. From the Goonies, Legend. yeah. I know some pe- a lot of people would like think of Short Round from Temple of Doom as kind of a Jaja Jaja Binks character, but I always loved him. I still do. Even if I watch it these days, he makes me laugh. He's the emotional center of the movie where Indy goes bad, and it really, really works because he's kind of like yeah. adorable, I suppose, and he's adorable as an adult. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Uh, he was re- he's still called Short Round, of course. He, and is- he actually demands to be. They, <laughs> they want to call him Kei Kwan. And he says, no, uh, Short Round, please. I do, well, his character name. I'm, or I'm, also Data. You can call me Data, he says. His character name is Waymond Wang. <laughs> that, is, is that. Is that an actual? Is Waymond a name? That I sounds don't like some know. kind of Elmer Fuddism. It real? does sound like an Elmer. It sounds like you know biggest Waymond biggest Wong. dickus or or something yeah. from Life of it's Brian. Not, it's that re- can't, it can't be a real name, is it? It feels racist and weird. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely insane that he's called that. But sure, whatever. Man. He was he uh, he he retired from acting twenty years ago. Due That's to right, lack yeah. Of roles, and then he was the AD on twenty forty six. The Wong Kar Wai film. Really, I've never seen that. But he was the. Yeah, he was me the, neither. He was the assistant AD. director. Yeah, wow. assistant director. Yeah. And so, like, there's these there's the scenes in this where he's playing like a similar kind of character, like a mm. like a Hong Kong Hong Kong cinema type cool guy. He's um he's Vietnamese. Yeah, am I right? He is. Yeah, he's born born in Vietnam. He arrived in the U.S. as a refugee yeah, no, he, in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. He tra- like as a kid, he fled. That's, I, mm. I was always um. Always liked his story. I think. Whenever I read about it, cause just because he arrived in abject poverty and it ended up mm-hmm. ended up being Indiana Jones's assistant, like what a fucking dream, you know? Um, yeah, I think uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was used really well. I think I, all the main cast are pretty great. Um, I had no idea that that was her. I didn't recognize her the whole way through the film. Guess, yeah, I'm still I'm holding on to like the True Lies era or. <laughs> Oh right, yeah, yeah. You don't I, need to tell I'm me. About- to, I'm trying not to. Pre- I'm trying to pretend that time isn't passing. Goddamn, yeah. Some because I I always apologies to Jamie Lee Curtis, but I always thought she had kind of a Angelica Houston kind of face. I never thought she was attractive. Always, uh, uh, right, Angelica uh, Angelica Houston, obviously too. By the apologies. way, yeah, just yeah, spill the beans on my yeah. feelings on <laughs> Mrs. Houston. Um, what about when she's got uh, hot dogs for fingers? Did that do anything for you? That was all right, to be honest. And then you got to see her sexy hot feet. Oh yeah, playing the piano with like a like bandage around one of them. Yeah, yeah, which is quite like uh, it's just a nice way of figuring stuff out in the film uh, as well. Was there anybody else famous in it? Well, Michelle Yeoh, obviously. Oh she's yeah, she just turned sixty. And in the lead, she's uh, well. She's terrific. She's, yeah, she's excellent. She's very good. And Stephanie 
Hsu? H-S-U. Uh, sounds like a university or something. Has she been in, every, she, in anything before? She was in um, Shang-Chi. She's in some other stuff. I, her role in Shang-Chi, I think, was quite small, though. Uh, the less said about uh, Shang-Chi, yeah, the better. She, she played Joy. But originally, this was written, that character, I think, was written for um, Aquafina, who had to drop out. Oh, I'm glad she had to drop out. Me too. I think Stephanie Hsu is, is much better. She's a bit more low-key. I don't think Aquafina would be capable of taking this character to the depths in real life where she has to yeah. go. She'd be capable of the goofy stuff, sure, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I agree with that. I think I think all the like James Hong, um, legend, legend. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolute legend. Um, he's he's great in it. Everybody's great in it. Everybody in the center is is absolutely brilliant in it. James James Hong is ninety three years old. Well, yeah, sure, Jesus, he's been in everything, hasn't he? Yeah, and in nineteen in February nineteen fifty four, he was on "You Bet Your Life" with uh, Groucho Marx. <laughs> wow, I mean, that's not, that's <laughs> yeah. not one of the roles I was going to bring up. It's pretty mental. Yeah, yeah. So he was what like he's Chinatown, fucking uh, Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Yeah, big trouble, big trouble in, little, trouble in little, China. little China. Balls of Fury, lest we forget. Wayne's World too. He plays the the dad, and they do the whole kind of uh, like uh, kung fu dubbing scene. I've never seen Wayne's World 2. That sounds hilarious. Oh, come on. It's a classic. Yeah, but you know there's no point in watching it now. I've missed no, the boat. No, no, no. Don't go back. Don't go back. You'll, you'll be horrified at how bad it is. I have missed the boat. Is that the one that has the part where um, no, no, Danny, from, Wh- Danny, Danny shoes, from Whitney yeah. and I says the shoes thing? Yeah, I've seen the shoes scene. Which there is I was. Yeah. Which is apparently the best thing in the movie, so I ain't missing nothing. Uh, Great big bloody Bengal tiger. All right. So how well do you think you can explain the plot of this? Should we explain it, or because it's plot? Well, I think we should just go through the the synopsis on this one. Um, okay. Do you want to synopsize it or not? Just this one because it's oh, tough. Give me it's a go. A give one. me a go. Give me a go. All right. Okay. So well, well, let's say this: there are three acts, three parts, mm. everything, everywhere, everywhere, and then oh, all, all at, at once. once. So let's see what you can get from everything. Okay, so it starts off. First of all, I'd like. I think the the opening shot is beautiful. You're just in this mirror, and you see the family doing karaoke together. It's really, really I've nice. I've got no recollection of that. That's the opening shot, anyway. But then, kind of cuts to what they're like now. And Evelyn, who's Michelle Yeoh's character, she sits inside. She's frantically looking through tax papers. It looks like just a scary, scary mess. Her husband Wayman is just goofing around. They run a laundromat together and they're being audited by the uh, IRS, right? Erwin R. Scheister, the wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only IRS I know. Uh, Yeah, well, he's trying to audit them and he's played by Jamie Lee Curtis in this film. Nice. Anyway, uh, Wayman, I can't say that. (laughs) Short round. Wayman Wong. (laughs) Yeah, short round. Short round is goofing around their laundrette and everything, but at the same time, he is trying to get a minute to tell her that he wants to divorce her. Which what's that weird bit where he's sort of this is not I'm jumping a little bit here, but mm. what's that? Why why does Wayman start? <laughs> why does Short Round start jumping around on the tables? Was that is that just supposed to show that he's changed into the other guy? Yeah, he's multiverse going weird. He oh, he yeah, multiversed okay, for some is. reason. Uh, there's no no real yeah, explanation of what he did. Yeah. Um, See, that's where I was watching now. I was like, eh, at yeah, the yeah. start. That's kind of what put me off. Yeah. <laughs> like, it reminded me of that uh, scene where the uh, uh, Yakuza fight the mafia in the Simpsons front lawn, and Homer goes, right. the yeah. guy in the white, you just know he he's going to... anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, you just see him going... <laughs> 
and they got a t- they got a teenage uh, daughter. Forgiveness, please. Sorry, go ahead. That's what he says when he Becky, who's can't a, do that anymore. Who's a gay lady, a gaydy, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. she's got a a girlfriend, uh, a girlfriend called Becky with the side of her her head shaved. That you know she's gay before. They even do smooches because she's got that. Was it was the was the side of her head shaved at the start? I saw it at yes. the end, but I never noticed it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That's how you know. That's how it's signaling. In she looks subtle. like that one, uh, the racist lady off of the boys. What's her name? Oh yeah, she does. Stormfront. Actually. She's got. Stormfront yeah, she does here. look like Stormfront. Wow, what an opening for Storf- Stormfront in the first episode of season three. Did you watch that? Anyway, no. Yes. Good God. Anyway, so. Yeah, they're all, uh, and also their elderly father is, uh, her elderly father is staying with them, who we even get from the start, he's a bit of a hard ass. And there's a kind of a hurtful moment where Evelyn is supposed uh, introduces Becky to her father as uh, her friend, as 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 as, her, as Joy's friend, because she's asking what, what the word for girlfriend is. And she says friend, and it's like, oh, she's ashamed of me. And then... Evelyn, she storms out and Evelyn chases after her and then she it seems like she's going to say something. Then she says, you are getting fat, uh, which you can immediately tell is so well performed because you can immediately tell she probably wants to say sorry, but she just doesn't fucking know how at that point. Anyway, I think she I think she had a point. <laughs> she, she raised some she raised a pertinent point. She, she says it again towards the end. Uh, She's like, listen, I mean, though, just in spite of everything, you are getting fat. I can't, I can't stress that I visited another multi- the multiverse stuff. where you're a hot piece of ass, Joy. Um, like, I'm sorry. I, I now respect your gay relationship, but you are fat. <laughs> we can't hide from that reality. Um, so they head down to uh, the IRS. Wayman brings cookies for uh, the lady Deirdre, and she's immediately. Came. Wait, wait! I just want to point out her name is Deirdre Deirdre Bobirdra. Okay, I mean we're in some quirky territory now, yeah. aren't we? They're having fun. Exactly, they're just guys having fun. Anyway, yeah, in the elevator, uh, short round changes, and a different short round comes out, and he says he's from this place called the Alphaverse, and everyone's in big danger. Parallel universes exist. Blah blah blah. And he, uh, he tells her some weird instructions that she doesn't quite get. Uh, and she uh, he writes something back on the back of the divorce proceedings, the piece of paper. And then when she's sitting down with the IRS and Deirdre Berbirdre is like caning her, she starts getting distracted and she looks down at, uh, at the instructions and it says, put her shoes on the right. wrong feet and picture she's in the closet. And then she does and she's yeah. in there. And that's, again, is at this point, I'm like, I don't know, the shoe's on the wrong feet. Because it's maybe not enough as crazy as it finally gets, like the stuff that you have to do. At this, this point, I'm like, oh, yeah. is this how you always jump, is you have to put your shoes on the wrong feet? I, I, I didn't trust them at this point. I'm yeah, saying. yeah, but they, they so make it work, like, don't they? Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, so, and they do this very cool effect where she's both in the closet and out at the desk. So she keeps mm. getting distracted back and forth and fucking, um, your one from true lies is being a real hard ass. And Alphaverse show, uh, short round tells her you're going to have to fight. And then they get out of the closet. She gets out of the closet and she just decks Jamie Lee Curtis in the face. And it's pretty funny actually. Cause she's like, how dare you? You're in so much trouble lady. You just assaulted an IRS <laughs> agent. They call the security along and then short round gets out a chapstick and eats it, learns Kung oh, yeah. Fu and does this fucking mental cool Kung Fu scene with some fishbowl stones in his bum bag. Start flipping around and they learn that there's this person who was very good in the alpha verse and called a uh, Jobu Tupaki. 
and uh, she got she basically went mad and started just seeing everything everywhere all at once or whatever. But now she's just going around the place trying to destroy everything. She's creating this new thing. They don't know what it is. They teach Evelyn how to, well, they try to teach Evelyn how to jump in between uh, verses to pick up skills. And then she jumps over to this one where she's a successful actress who learned Kung Fu to be an actress. She comes Which back. Which is so cool. And that's what feels like Mr. Nobody, if you ever get around to watching that. There's that kind of thing where it goes back to like a previous point in someone's life and shows mm. the branch and then plays through oh, all yeah. the memories. I'm not even thinking of that because that's how you get to know about their relationship is through these quick flashes yeah. back through their lives. Which I like that. I like yeah, that. yeah. So she either stays with Short Round or she goes off and becomes a movie star. And then when she gets yeah. back to Short Round, she's there telling them, oh my God, you should see my life without you. <laughs> it's it's <a> pretty harsh. <laughs> it is very harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also like... I don't think she even walks that back. She's just like, ah, oh, man, you, I'll have to tell you later. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, good. yeah, yeah. They found out about the divorce stuff and she's like, why do you want to divorce <laughs> me? And he's basically like, because I think you hate me you just or something like that. And um, yeah, she thinks of herself as the greatest failure. But then the other, the Alphaverse short round tells her, but that's why you're the, the best Evelyn is because you can do nothing. So you've just got this endless potential going for you or something along those If lines. someone hasn't seen this film and they listen to this synopsis, you'd have no clue what's going on, which is fair because it, it this is, I mean, what you're saying is accurate, so but then, it is mental. I think because it's so visual, you need to see it. Yeah. Then we found out that Jobu Tupaki is actually Joy. The daughter. Oh my God, Evelyn's daughter, Evelyn and Wayman's Yeah, yeah, daughter. and she walks along like somebody who can do anything at all. She just, she's changing <laughs> costume constantly. She, put, she, she puts the security guard in a, like a, one of those uh, chica banana dresses with a fruit I hat. I love that. I love that scene yeah, because yeah. she's kind of playing, toying with them, going, using that whole thing like, can't, I can't. And yeah, then, yeah. But she can... And then she, and then she just liquid and stuff. She murderizes everybody basically, and eventually, yeah, her father comes along in a speedy wheelchair. They've said they're still in the IRS building. The whole film is in the IRS building almost. It's amazing. Yeah, then, I guess that's the only way to make this work. Is it has to be yeah. pretty like a well, I think it's a small scale in times. I think it's a very fun setting lo- for locations. it as well, um, and I think it works yeah. thematically, like bringing together all the parts of people's lives. Then anyway, yeah, the father comes along and he tells Evelyn that he, she's got to kill Joy, but Evelyn just won't do it. And she says she's got to face, she's going to face her by verse jumping like so much that she basically, because she gets as crazy as Jobu Tupaki, so she's able to face her on the same level. And which is, it instigates like a fucking, just a crazy like sequence where she'll just put like hand sanitizer in her eyes and she eats a booger from her dad's nose. Ugh, and That's disgusting. <laughs> it's mental. Um, and she goes to all the, the he's, that's where you see like the hot dog fingers people for the first time. Um, yeah, it's just mad. Um, and then, but eventually when she battles Jobu Tupaki, her, it's too much for her and she vomits and dies. And she doesn't really though, because then she wakes up and she finds herself in the multiverse where, well, she finds that's that's it for everything, and then she's everywhere. That's it, and we're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. She keeps jumping between the multiverses. So first of all, she's in the one. So she, first of all, the one she's she's in the one where she's an actor, and she watches the film that we've just seen end. It says directed by the. Oh Daniels. wait, wait. So that what that it's so that is the end of this part where they do the fake ending. I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, it's obviously you know it's fake because there's still like another hour of the film to go. But and I it doesn't if say Michelle in the Yeoh. Cinema, I wonder oh, I, if anyone in the cinema was caught out by that, though. I'm sure they were. 
the big downer ending. After I doubt anybody left because it, it doesn't go on for yeah, very yeah, long. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure there cool. were some people. So then she she she's in the cinema. She sees the end of the movie or whatever. And then I don't know is it at this point or another point in it uh, where she sees short round from that universe. And in that universe, she never went to America with him, so she hasn't seen him in years. And they get to talking. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's super. And like, he's like a, cool Hong Kong version, Wong Kar Wai character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's very cool. He's very successful, and so is she. And uh, she uh, she says that she's been in this other... She tells him all about the multiverses and she tells him, oh, we just end up um, doing taxes and laundry together. And then that's when he says the thing that makes me cry. Where he goes, in another uh, life, I would have been very happy just doing taxes and laundry with you. It's super sweet. But anyway, then we're back jumping between... Um, hot dog fingers. Yeah, hot dog fingers in a relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis is a good one. The Rakakuni. Sh- the chef with Rakakuni. Is a very good one. Uh, we learn about the fucking um, oh no, the rocks is later. Let's see. Oh yeah, at this point, by this point, we the know bagel. we know about ah yeah, that's what right. We know that her secret plan is to squash everything together into a big bagel, so basically to kind of destroy the universes, sort of something like that. Is it actually really explained? I mean, you just get a sense of like yeah, everything's going to get sucked in. It's like a black hole, and yeah, everything's yeah. going to get sucked in and destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, then in the different. In the in the in the diff in the different, she sort uh, of goes evil. Sort of. does does she? She kind of goes. She kind of like so. Mm. Evelyn has that sense of where she's sort of lost as well. Well, no, what? Yeah, yeah. So what happens? Yes, I remember now. So she eventually confronts Joy about it, and Joy reveals that she didn't want to destroy everything. She wanted to destroy herself, and she couldn't. She wasn't able to. Right. So then she tried to find. That's why she was looking for Evelyn because Evelyn can understand her. And then she basically has come to a sort of a sense of nihilism, which is sort of like, that's the thing. It's like she is in a teenage sense of nihilism that nothing matters. So what's the fucking point? Whereas, but that's because she's experiencing everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, which I think is kind of a, a helpful like metaphor a for that kind of kind of a, a age. But I, I don't think it's, exa- it's exactly what they're going for. But I, I think it helps that she is around at that age. And then Evelyn, who thinks that absolutely everything matters and everything has to be perfect isn't in the sort of right way to help her understand what's going on, which is kind of her failure as a mother versus, you know, her teenage daughter. So then she kind of gives into the sort of nihilism. That's when they arrive at the rock thing where the, where, uh, the universe never managed to support life and there's just two rocks in this beautiful landscape. And um, it wasn't an that wasn't the rock scene that made me cry. It was the later one. Yeah, the why they start moving together. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, and Evelyn together. starts moving. Jumps off, yeah. moving apart. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, Joy starts moving apart. Yeah, but yeah. I think one one thing they never really touch on. They touch on again from earlier on is that like Evelyn is responsible for all this, right? Um, She's in in the yeah. alpha verse or yeah, something. She, she basically like forced Joy. Because Joy was really good at, at the multiverse traveling. Yeah, yeah. But then they kind of pushed her too far. Yeah, that's oh, that's almost that. like a MacGuffin of a plot element. It's just... But I thought that was like some sort of Asian mother comment or something. Could be, actually. very high yeah, standards I've heard, and breaking I, you know, your daughter. They have that in movies a lot. But then anyway, the sort of nihilism affects Evelyn a bit. And then they're back at the laundrette for their party and... Um, she just signs the divorce papers and um, starts smashing up the place. And then Jamie Lee Curtis comes along. And um, then 
Jamie Lee Curtis, short round says something to her and Jamie Lee Curtis kind of rolls the decision back and she says, I, I, I remember when I was getting divorced, it was horrible. I feel bad for you. And they smoke weed outside. And then she, short round, is it, that's when short round does his whole thing where he says like, I am fighting, but I fight with kindness. Yeah, exactly. And the Google eyes on things yeah. and she puts a Google eyes. That's all eyes. very nice. Excellent score for this film. It's by a band called Sun Lux. I'm not familiar with them at all, but. Yeah, yeah. It's apparently it took them like three years to write the score. It is incredible. It is, it's, it's great. I've just started listening to it on Spotify. It's it's solid. Uh, then anyway, she starts kind of trying to kill her with kindness, which is sort of, it's amazing. Like she, there's this guy who's got a crick in her, her neck she's fighting and she fixes his neck. <laughs> and she like uh, puts a ball gag in the masochist's yeah, she spanks mouth the, and spanks him. Directors. She rescues yeah. the guy's raccoon from the truck. And like, I can't believe that they do the whole thing of like even person sitting on the head pulling the hair, like the full on. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's spoof of ratatouille. Tribute laws. Uh, yeah. You can get away with things like that. I, and, I, and at this point in it, I was kind of thinking, man, it's certainly not nihilism. It's not that nothing matters. And it's not that everything matters in that neurotic way that Evelyn was chasing it. But everything, the film kind of goes to the thesis that it, like everything matter, matters in its own stupid, shitty way. And like, it's got a very nice life is beautiful thesis. Like, I think for one thing, we're kind of evolved to, I don't know, just see the sort of beauty in a nuclear family like that. Uh, and just, just ordinary people. I think it like, it really struck me anyway like that. And particularly- It reminds me of that that time when you used to walk around just filming plastic bags blowing in the wind. <laughs> Remember that? That was the most beautiful thing I ever seen until- yeah my neighbor got the lads out in the window <laughs> and then that was yeah. the most beautiful thing I ever filmed. And then Wouldn't I that see, be a so hilarious I, I, scene? In- and, I saw, and I saw you hanging around with the uh, with, with, with the guy next door. Wait, wait, wait. Was that his dad? I don't remember. Who did uh, Chris... Chris, was, Coop- uh, Chris Cooper's yeah, dad yeah. was... Um, what's well, his, his son, no? Uh, no, because Chris, Chris, Chris Cooper was the... Uh, what's the, like, the name of that actor guy? again? Well, the, 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 so, the kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, From Mission Impossible Fallout. Is he in that? He is, yeah. He's the he's uh, Rebecca Ferguson's new um uh, uh, husband. Okay, I don't even want to look it up. Uh, Wes Wes uh, Wes Bentley. Bentley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. We go. Yeah, wouldn't that be a fu- funny just re-edit of American Beauty <laughs> if you went? Do you want to see the most beautiful thing I ever filmed? And then he shows her the video of her getting the lads out in the I'm window. Pretty sure that's been done. That, uh, that was done in like 1999. Damn it! That was, that was that was a classic. Yeah, like the cutaway, and then it's something silly. Uh God. Anyway, but um. Yeah, uh, but oh yeah, and then another moment of it made me cry like hard when she's telling off the father that like, you know, about what a shitty sort of daddy was and she's not going to do the same thing by Joy. And then there's a super cheesy bit where they're all holding each other back from getting into the portal. By the way, there's a direct Rick and Morty reference. He turns into like a wheelchair robot man. But so many of things are though. I just think like it's they've gone because th- they've, you know, like Dan Harmon and that and mm. Justin Roiland, I think have worked through similar concepts where somewhat you you often see a kind of multiverse version of someone who's mm. done done seen and done everything ha- and have become like a sort of villainous nihilist that's pretty common within their episodes so i'm not surprised that the daniels were a bit worried but it doesn't matter it doesn't yeah. matter it just feels like it's you know it's similar fair but it's so well handled that no one's going to be like that's rick and morty yeah i might anyway they all reunite and then I there a while later they're all going back to do the taxes. Becky's all good with the fam, um, and uh, they walk in and Joy's with them, 
and uh, short round and Evelyn have a smooch, which is quite sweet. And then, uh, I don't know, yeah, this is basically Deirdre says, everything's going to be grand and uh, that's it. But there is that weird moment where, again, Evelyn sort of flicks through the multiverse a little bit. Oh, yeah, a little bit, right before the end. But Is I, that supposed to be like a woo, woo, or is it just showing you that she's, or is she like fully grounded at the end? I think it's just a inception kind could, of thing. Yeah, I, I took it as like she's still living with all of that. She has to put up with that noise. I just think it's just a way to give it a cinematic burst before it ends. That's all. I guess. Yeah, yeah something like, like that. Ta-da. Uh, yeah, I thought this was fantastic. I've seen it twice uh, in a, a month, and... Um, yeah, I'd like I'm I I I'm going to end up like renting it on Amazon so I can do just watch it with Belen with Spanish subtitles just cuz I don't know. I want to talk to people about this movie. It's it's absolutely terrific. People should listen to us talk about it. We're very entertaining. Thousands of people. Yeah, literally. Yeah, They're yeah. listening everywhere. Well, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I will watch it again. I think it's a great film. I it's already like it's up there. It's it's not actually that high on the IMDb thing. I think it's like it's up at like a hundred and seventy something at the moment of the best films of all time ever, hundred and seventy three. But that's meaningless at this stage, obviously. But like, yeah, but this I, is going to be think, number one of is, everyone's list, like without a doubt. I think yeah, I'm be interested to see how this does uh, when it comes to Oscar season next year because uh, I think it could be in for it could get a few nominations. I think it will get nominations. I think nominations is, well, it'll probably, it'll definitely get some technical awards. I mean, f- there's no way anybody's going to direct a film better than this. Uh, yeah. As in the verb and the adjective, you know? Yeah. As, yeah, as yeah. the verb and the adverb, rather. There's no way there's going to be anything better than this done. Um, but they still won't give it to them, but sure. They've got, they've pretty much got unanimous plaudits from every peer they have in the industry. So... You know, it's like the year when Mad Max Fury Road came out and literally every filmmaker on earth said, wow, well, uh, that's better than anything anyone's done in years. It's that style of filmmaking, mm. in a sense. It is, yeah, yeah. So much effort has gone into it over such a long period of time. Just balls to the wall, creativity, and and dildos and butt plugs as well. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't Watch it, people. I'll watch it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I shall. What are we watching next? Well... It's been such a long time since we did that last coin toss, but for next week, for next time round, we're going to be watching Picnic at Hanging Rock. Hell yeah. And Master and Commander. The far side of the world. Hell yeah. Master and Comanche. That's what I call prey. Sweet. Doesn't make sense. I'm going to watch that real soon. I've missed you, brother. Uh, I missed all of you. um, All of you lovely listeners as well. I haven't haven't watched such a long break. (laughs) I took such a long break from films. There actually is a and TV person called Kevin and I'm listening. Back. Okay. But yeah, you took a break, now you're back. Time to vegetate again. Oh what? That's right, I need to Do you know what I've been playing in the absence of my wife also? Um with myself? No, no, no. A ghost of uh I can never remember the name. Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. is that the one where the, the Mongols are coming to the island? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of fun. That's a very cinematic game. Props to that game. It is. Well, they're actually making a film of it as well. We shall see. Yeah. Oh, also, the Last of Us TV series will be out by January or something. Oh, hell yeah. Quite good with Pedro Pascal and uh, uh, what's her name? Mormont. Eddie from Page. Game of Thrones, the little kid. Eddie Page. Yeah. No. <laughs> Elliot's not in it. 
Oh, the, the character is based on him. If she really wanted to make a move, or he, uh, like, it, Elliot really wasn't far enough, I would have gone Eddie. <laughs> what about Steve? Steve Page. Steve. That's, a man, that's a man you can trust. Stephen Page. <laughs> Stephen X Page. Yeah. Jeff. Jeff Page. But she, she, he should have gone for something like Mac, like Max Power or something. <laughs> Why not do that? Why not go full on? <laughs> That's what I would have done. Yeah, because that's the thing is like, uh, what like what would be the female to male version of like a hyper masculinized like drag drag king kind of personality? I, mm. I want to see more drag kings actually. Uh, lots of vagina or something like that one from Austin Powers. Or uh, what's the name of that super uh, pussy galore? No, the. The that's a lot of a China. Pussy Galore is real from Goldfinger. I know, I know, I know. I know. That's, but that's the no, one there's spiffing. What's the what's the name of that super buff lady trans porn star? Buck uh, Angel. Buck, Buck Angel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sadly know who you're talking about. Yeah. Anybody who doesn't uh, look up uh, Buck yeah, Angel. Look up Buck Angel. Looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Watch uh, Picnic but at Hanging Rock uh, and yeah. Master and Commander Far Side of the World in preparation for the next podcast, or not. Watch all of Watch all of Buck Angel's work as well. Do what? Well, we, well, let's do a deep dive on Buck Angel. <laughs> it won't be the I first. Say no to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Uh, Bye. Bye.